0: Hello and welcome to Talking Eds, APN Educational Media's weekly review podcast, comprising the team behind Early Learning Review, Education Review and Campus Review. I'm Patrick Avenal and I'm the news editor for these sites. The Education Review team is preparing the Protect Ed Conference, a look at how technology is changing the education sector and what precautions schools should consider in the digital age. This conference is on Friday, 21 October 2016 in Sydney. Go to educationreview.com.au and look for Protect Ed. And now... Netflix and thrilling at preschoolers, feminism in the VC's office, vet fee helps long-awaited overhaul. I'm joined by Lauren Smith from Early Learning Review. Hi Lauren.
1: Hi Patrick, welcome back.
0: Thank you very much. I had an excellent time in Europe. It's good to be back in the confines of APN Educational Media.
1: Did you have fun in my absence? We had a great time. It
0: wasn't the same though. That's the voice of James Wells, editor of Campus Review and Education Review. How are you, James? Good, how are you? I'm very well. Yeah, it's It's great to be back. Great to be doing the podcast. What did I miss? Anything at all?
1: Uh, You missed not winning at trivia for two weeks. So that was quite nice.
0: The Lauren is referring to our inter office trivia competition that we have on lunchtime. So if you ever want to improve uh, morale in your office, do a trivia quiz on uh, in your lunch break and you'll find it quite addictive and competitive.
1: Thank you for that workplace tip, Patrick.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Lauren. Well, let's go straight to part one. Lauren, it's not just the hip millennials that are abandoning linear TV in order for streaming services. It's also hip preschoolers. Tell us about Netflix and chilling in the preschool.
1: Well, it's not so much chilling as it is thrilling, Patrick. Um, So, a UK research firm called ChildWise has done a survey which has found that Netflix is the preferred on-demand paid streaming service for preschoolers. And in terms of free services they love YouTube which is no surprise and I'll explain a bit more about why that is later Uh, they also found that over oh sorry nearly half of preschoolers own their own tablets and I spoke to a couple of researchers who said that there are both good and bad sides to this and I'll start with the bad so obviously there's the concern that tablets are being used as babysitters Um, especially if children are not viewing educational programs and then there's something else which is an interesting psychological concept which applies to adults too and it's called the state of insufficiency which is when we never feel satisfied if there's an infinite supply of something and that's what YouTube and uh, things such as Netflix provide And that's especially dangerous for toddlers because their brains are wired wired for novelty. So they're constantly seeking something new, which these platforms provide. But there are some positives. First of all, on Netflix, for instance, there aren't any ad blocks. So that's good because um, a lot of young kids can't distinguish between advertisements and programming. And there are some other positives in that... um, They have to use their strength to hold tablets and also um, navigating pictorial menus are quite empowering for them and can actually be a precursor in their learning to read. And back to the surprising thing about YouTube that I mentioned earlier, uh, unboxing videos. Don't know if anyone's heard of them, I hadn't heard of them they can be very dangerous for kids who don't understand that they're essentially advertising sponsored by companies like Disney.
0: Could you just quickly outline what an unboxing video is?
1: Sure, so an unboxing video is where, it, it literally is what it sounds like, it's where someone unwraps, uh, can be a toy in the case of what kids like to watch from a box and then demonstrates the, pro- the product. So it's advertising disguised as entertainment and
0: these have proven to be popular videos for preschools to watch
1: so popular in fact that uh, the number one YouTube earner in 2014 was an unboxer and she earned five million dollars that year
0: (laughs) what sort of products was she unboxing? she was
1: unboxing Disney toys
0: and so I can just imagine the the parents of kids watching these Disney toys being unboxed, how much they're harangued over the the hours following.
1: Not only that, but these kids are kind of mindlessly watching this instead of learning or, you know, being outside. There are so many other things kids could be doing that are actually beneficial.
0: It's one of the strange things that I with Netflix especially that I I haven't really considered that I've got Netflix but whenever it comes up recommending stuff it's only ever recommending the adult programs because it's based on what I've watched in the past so it's always pushing Bojack Horseman or Orange is the New Black or all the adult shows on me but uh, whenever I look at uh, Netflix on some of my friends who have kids computers or on their tablets because their kids are watching kids program, that it's always recommending more kids program to me. And only then did I realize just the sheer volume of kids programming that Netflix has in its library. It it really, it's just sort of hidden if you don't have kids. Uh, And it's enormous, just so many titles, so much content. It's a wealth of it.
1: And you think, if you think about who has time in their day to watch all this TV, it's young kids, especially those who are not being supervised. So if, say, they're at home with their mother who's in the other room, they could just be endlessly watching programs on Netflix and because it's so easy to navigate, they can set it up themselves and watch themselves and continue watching for hours. I've
0: had to I've had to go into the settings and turn off the watch next automatically watch the next episode function where the next episode starts before the credits of the previous episode ends because that I needed that break between episodes when binge watching shows. Whereas I imagine kids, they don't bother. they just they just watch episode after episode of their favorite program and then before they know it, the day's over.
1: They also, yeah, they don't have the self-control to stop themselves from doing that.
0: So. Mm. In part two, James, the label feminist has become somewhat controversial in recent times, with senior ministers Michaela Cash and Julie Bishop demurring such a description, but one VC is embracing it without caveat. Mm. Tell us more. Uh, it's a male VC too. Um,
2: Steve Chapman from Edith Cowan University um, calls himself a feminist, because feminism refers to uh, equality of the sexes, and that's what he, he believes in, and he offered it without a caveat. like. He believes in quotas, and he believes that we should tie research funding to gender equity.
0: I I saw in in the quote that uh, he said at our own Higher Equity Conference, that he apologised for everything white male vice chancellors have ever done. Yeah, that was spoken in jest, but
2: spoken as a joke at the beginning of his speech, but I think he was serious. The point that led from that is that most VCs in Australia, most of the university leaders are white and male.
0: Well, my, well mum, my mum's favourite saying is that behind every joke there's some degree of truth. And I yeah. think there is some degree of truth about this because it, it, for a long, long time, being a university VC, there, there was a quota mm. and the quota was zero women, 100% <laughs> men. Yeah. And that is beginning to change. But it, it's sort of like you you do have to come out and apologise and say that things that happened in the past, yeah. were the practices were wrong. Yeah, and this reflects
2: a broader trend in business leadership among the there's um a rise of women on boards so there was a recent um report back from the University of Sydney that um revealed that but at the same time among the companies on of the ASX 200 there's more CEOs na- whose name is Peter than there are women overall
0: what do you what do you think this sort of means like do you think that they will, this will achieve something i think it i think
2: it will i think it'll may, maybe lead more men to question what their understanding of feminism is because there's a lot of misunderstanding about feminism. It's, it's associated, um, thanks to the internet, with feminazis, um, with um, shouting down of men and their, and their contribution rather than just the whole idea of equality of the sexes.
0: Well, one comment I like is that, I've seen this floating around, and I don't know who said it originally, it's that the opposite of, uh, the opposite of uh, misogyny is not misandry, it's equality. So, if you, the opposite of misogyny is actually having equality, and so that—that's the the goal of feminism isn't to pull down men or isn't to isn't to, uh, uh, you know, hate men. It's just to create equality with men, and the only way to do that is, is to sort of you know have an uprising and actually set quotas to in order to mm. reverse that balance. Mm.
1: So, is he going to set quotas in his own institution? Um, he's
0: indicated yet yeah, that way, yeah.
1: Okay, I'll be interested to see if that actually happens, and if so, whether it's Mm. perhaps more of a business decision as opposed to an ethical one.
2: Either way, it'll probably do some good.
1: I don't know if it will. I personally believe in a meritocracy. Not a gendertocracy or whatever the word is. is it, um, isn't
0: a meritocracy just a, a made-up word that people in control use to justify yeah. their position? That That's was... a very <laughs>
1: cynical reading of it, Patrick. <laughs> uh, uh, that
0: was a big
2: issue discussed at Equity, though, that meritocracy was set up by white males, therefore it's biased to favour white males.
1: Well, there is the similarity bias in psychology, which mm. says that you are preference towards those who look like you and who reflect you so of course but at the same time I feel like we're enlightened enough as humans in a western democracy to override that
2: you would think that but there are a lot of unconscious biases and we all have them that often lead us to not hiring the best people for the right position because we we are more comfortable with people as you said who look like us and act like us and think like us.
1: But then, if we promote more women, will they not just only hire women? You could. That's why
2: you. That's why diversity is a strength. So everyone's thinking differently, Patrick.
0: Well, I am reminded of a, a comment that was made about the South African cricket team. The South African, all South African national sports teams, have a quota about how many black people have to be in the team. Uh, I think for the cricket team, they must every game the cricket team plays, four of the eleven players must identify as black. And that is a quota that was set up in order to uh, sort of legislate a reversal of the apartheid system in which only white players were ever picked. And so they, they made it, the full minimum, obviously, that if, if more people make it, more people make it. And critics of the quota system say that the players that are being picked never know whether they're being picked on merit. They never know whether they're they're being picked just because of the quota system. You know, the team might be in a position where they're not picking the best 11, players that you know if, if the uh, eighth or the seventh best player in the in the country is a white person that person's not going to be picked and one of the one of the proponents of of the quota system said well the reason we have this quota system is to undo the quota system of the past where it, the quota system was 11 players had to be white and so we need to reverse that in order to entrench a change in attitude and to entrench entrench a change in process and i think that, that that's what quota systems. Say, for example, uh, I think the Labour Party has a quota system for how many women are pre-selected for seats, or at least their plan on implementing one. And I think that's where those sort of quota systems work well, is that you say, we have to reverse that that previous mistake, and the only way to do it is to enforce it. And I think that targets don't really work because you're just so easy to get around them. And so that's why I personally uh, am happy with quotas. I don't feel as though it's uh, an infringement on... You know, on, on my ability to achieve something on my rights or on, or on fairness or on equality. I just think it's like it's a, a resetting of the agenda and once we've got to a position where we think that we have reached equality then we can get rid of the, the quota when it's natural but I don't see that happening in my lifetime and now I'm fine with that. I'm fine if we have quotas on you know uh, how many board members are on a public company uh, you know alternating VCs have to be between men and women. I'm happy with all those sort of changes.
1: Well, I think the initial changes are still pie in the sky at this point anyway. So just out it's all of a bit interest, hypothetical.
0: Out of interest, Lauren, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you identify as a feminist?
1: Um, that's a really sticky question, Patrick. I, I do in the sense that I believe in equality but I'm not one of those extreme feminists who thinks that women are actually better than men and mm. deserve an apology for, from every man just for the sake of it.
0: Well, I'm happy to just say sorry right now just to...
1: That's okay, it. that's okay, <laughs> no need.
0: Part three, the federal government through its education minister, Simon Birmingham, has announced the long awaited overhaul of the Palace Vet Fee Help Vocational Loan Scheme. A bit of background, uh, this scheme was introduced and implemented under the previous government and it essentially uh, made vocational courses which are like TAFE courses or non-university courses you know uh, how to be a chef how to be an accountant HR uh, you know legitimate courses like that but also a lot of sort of left field courses like you know basket weaving uh, you know method acting all these sort of things that are sort of not not as conventional as you would think a lot of them offered by private institutions, and it provided uh, what we used to be called HECS uh, debt situations for students. So a student could uh, offset the the cost of uh, going to these private institutions by taking on a loan that is foregone until they were earning enough money to pay back the loan. It was around about $52,000 per year. Because it was private institutions rather than, you know, established universities that sort of had huge ties to government and a lot of oversight, there was a huge amount of rorting that went on. A lot of institutions just sprung up overnight. And then in order to get uh, students laden, laden with loans that they were being uh, subsidized by the government, they offered huge incentives. So they said, if you sign up now to do our course in naturopathy, uh, you'll get a free iPad. And so that course cost $15,000. The student took on the loan, the institution got the, the money upfront from the government, Uh, Whether the student ever attended the course or graduated was irrelevant. As it turned out, a number of these institutions were incredibly predatory. They used to hang out out outside uh, Centrelink offices, they used to hang out on the street, they used to go to areas uh, and target socially disadvantaged people, often people from uh, low income areas, Uh, in some cases intellectually disabled people, Sign them up for these loans with courses they were never going to be able to complete in order to get the money. It was absolutely disgraceful. The ACCC, uh, as it is investigating, is prosecuting a number of these courses. So this week, the government has announced its uh, overhaul and the the major features of the overhaul are that existing vet fee help loan programs will be shut down at the end of 2016. The new vet student loan programs will start from 2017. There'll be much tougher restrictions on courses, loan caps and student engagement requirements. There will be a compulsory review of the new scheme after 12 months. And the government loans will only be offered for courses giving qualifications for jobs listed on at least two state lists of skills shortages. So the government is really going to crack down on these, you know, crazy courses that really don't have no pathway to an actual job or no pathway to a job where there is demand for it. So, and I think that that's really important because there is a lot of good that these courses can provide in vocational training to fill actual holes in the market but th- those courses you know they were they, were, they were becoming less important than the, the crazy courses that no one was actually going to. So James and Lauren uh, what are your thoughts on these changes?
2: Um, well what, these changes they're overall I'd say they're reasonably solid. The biggest concern right now is the loan caps because they, they're very strict and they don't reflect market diversity in, within legitimate courses, and then so there are going to be students probably going to be left out of pocket who have to pay for these courses out of their own money, which is unfair considering there's um, a lot of un- all university students, no matter how much their course costs, can get a hex debt.
0: So the, the the highest loan cap, and there are three tiers, but the highest cap is $15,000. So if, if this is like a, um, uh, if you want to do an accountancy course at a private institution, and the course costs fifteen thousand dollars that's a legitimate course that's approved mm. there's demand for those sort of jobs you can offset the entire cost until you're earning enough money to pay it back but if that course is set at twenty thousand yeah. dollars you would have to pay five thousand dollars up front to do it which is going to price out some people from the market yeah uh, some people would argue that a price signal is a good way of keeping uh prices in check and making sure that people aren't just you know, taking advantage of it. quite a generous scheme in reality.
2: Yeah, um, but the thing is, if a lot of uh, some courses, they us say a twenty thousand dollar accounting course, it may be more expensive because it's of higher quality. Hmm. If if they lose too many students because of that, they'll have to cut the quality hmm. or cut cut costs somewhere, and usually that um, leads to a decline in quality. Another issue is with um, the people with um, the government deciding what industry needs are, um, who decides that? That's been really vague.
0: Well, with the coalition in government, I'm thinking that they're going to be quite strict with determining what sort of uh, courses are considered legitimate and which aren't. I think that uh, the Labor Party might be a little bit more liberal, uh, to use a play on words, with what courses count, but I think the coalition will be really strict and they'll be going through with a red pen and really putting a cross through a lot of courses that uh, were being offered that really were, were... you know almost laughable yeah
1: the one thing that came to my mind is when are they going to do this for universities in terms of regulating um fees based on uh how much in loan monies they're willing to offer because it's really universities now who are pumping out students where there are no jobs
0: well lauren as as a a person who has a degree in art history that was completely paid for by Hex. I hope that never happens.
1: Sure. And, you know, I I too believe in the humanities and I'm very sad that that faculty seems to be crumbling around the world, (laughs) literally and metaphorically. But I think, you know, from an employment perspective, we really should be looking at universities as well.
0: Well, this has been a really good chat and a really good episode of Talking Eds. Do you guys have anything else you wanted to bring up?
1: No, have yep. a great weekend, have everyone.
0: Yep, yeah, have a great weekend. Thanks very much. Thanks very much for listening to Talking Eds.